Hello and welcome to Southwest News Media's sports podcast, Sports for Dummies. I'm Dan Huss with Eric Krauscher and Tom Chardon. Todd Ablem is off this week. For the week of January 25th, we're talking to former Pioneer Press Sports editor Tim Layton, who is now with the Minnesota State High School League, and we're going to talk about what's behind the ref shortage and what can be done to resolve it. We're also talking about last weekend's controversial NFL games and Hall of Fame inductions in baseball. Hey Tim, Eric Krauser calling. I've got uh, Dan, I, we're we're good. I've got Dan Huss from Eden Prairie News, uh, Tom Chardon from the Prior Lake American and Savage Pacer, and me from Chaska Chan. So uh, this this still you got all the you, you got all the heavy hitters. Well, there's we've got three of the four dummies. Yes, <laughs> the other dummy the other dummy is on vacation. So. We decided what we, we talked last week about uh, um, officiating, the lack of the shortage, the causes of it. And so you kind of have multiple hands in it, being an official working for the State High School League, which is, you know, facing these issues. So we thought you'd be the perfect person to, to talk to to kind of tell us, you know, uh, both perspectives. So can you tell us um, maybe... You know, for the state high school league, what what you guys have seen this year that's different than years past? Okay, sure. Uh, first of all, I uh, appreciate you guys uh, reaching out. Uh, it's always fun to visit uh, with the local media. And, yeah, and we, we are in the midst of a little bit of a, 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 an official shortage. Uh, on the positive side, we are very blessed in that we have more than 6,200 officials who work games and contests and are judges within the Minnesota State High School League. Yeah. Now, we are in uh, – I'll, I'll, I'll talk about basketball right sure. now as an example. And we are in the midst of about a two- to three-week stretch here where officials are really stretched thin. And there are a couple, and we notice the trends that, that are pointing to this. So we're not real surprised yeah. at what we're seeing right now. Uh, last Tuesday was a huge example of where the we uh, the uh, the all the associations in the uh, in the metro area were not able to cover all of the levels of basketball games. So that would be varsity, JV, B squad, freshmen, all of those. Yeah. So they were every every official in the Twin Cities metro area was accounted for uh, in in the Twin Cities, and I, I saw you. Of course, at the Chaska game, yep. I was actually scheduled to do a game in Wisconsin, but I was pulled from my game in Wisconsin to come over and do that Cooper at Chaska yep. boys game. So we are in the midst of about a three-week stretch, and I'm, I know I'm, I need to circle back to that. Three things seem to be happening during this three-week stretch in in uh, late to uh, in mid to late January. Officials are becoming ill. Yeah. Uh, they're also they're also getting injured, and this is also the time of year, the time of season when our significant others start to get a little cranky, <laughs> because we because we are gone so much doing high school ball, college ball, and they are incredibly supportive of us when we are gone. But this is a time of year that. Uh, it's been over the last five years or so, our significant others start getting a little bit cranky that we're gone so much. So officials have wised up to that. 
They have acknowledged that. They realize that. And so some officials are taking time off. They're taking an entire week off. They're maybe taking a long weekend off to go somewhere warm, to just maybe stick around the house and do family kinds of things. Because as you might imagine, uh, it, it is a big commitment for an official to time away from work, time away from home, to be able to give back as an official. I know last Tuesday, for example, uh, when we had the severe shortage, what I know of at least six to ten officials that went to the wild game that night. And I, I applaud them for doing that because they needed a mental health break. Sure. And what we, are fi- what we are finding is the guys that, and, and female, the males and females that, that uh, take a little time off, they are really refreshed. They're refreshed for this last season run through February and into the postseason into late February and into March uh, that follows through to the state tournament. They seem to be very refreshed. Uh, they, they're not beaten like a dog when it comes to you know being tired and, and working games on short nerves. So we are finding actually quite positive results. Uh, another night that we're looking at being a little short, I think, is this Friday. Okay. Uh, that's another one of those. That's another one of those nights that fits into the categories of of what um, I just shared. Sure. Those, those those three factors. So, at the league, we're certainly aware of this, and we're working with the associations. Uh, last Tuesday, when this happened. Uh, the different associations in the metro area reached out to two conferences and then some of the charter schools and asked them if they could uh, change their games to another night sure. uh, because of the shortage of officials. And I know the IMAC conference agreed to do that, and a couple of charter school conferences agreed to do that as well. And the end result was that everything worked out fine. Yep. You know that one of the alternatives to that night was to – they would have needed, if the games were going to have to stay on that Tuesday, there would have been varsity officials, veteran officials, who would have had to possibly have done two and three games in that okay. night. Oof. You may have had a varsity-level official, a veteran guy, a guy a guy like me who's been around for 29 years working high school and college ball, doing a C-squad game, followed by a junior varsity game, and then capped off with a varsity game that's certainly not optimal yeah and our members our member schools certainly don't want to see that either sure well you would have been in the soft the softball world then because that's uh you a lot of times get that in softball but uh you know taka you know uh you look at the mental health part where you don't want these referees having a ref three four nights a week is it just sheer we don't have as many officials in basketball as we had before, or is it more, there's just more schools, you've gone to three-man, you know, most, most leagues go to three-man. Is it just we need more officials, or are we really down in numbers? No, well, I don't think we're down in numbers because we're. I think our numbers have been pretty consistent, and I and I share that number, 6,200 yeah. or so, is, is how many registered officials we have uh, with the Minnesota State High School League. But we are stretched thin. It is uh, those three factors I just mentioned. But it's also, you know, um, it's there are sportsmanship issues, yeah. as you guys probably yep. have seen when when you're going out and covering your uh, your your stuff on the media end of things. 
We have sportsmanship issues, and that is playing a factor in this as well. You, you probably have heard some of the national initiatives that we've had about recruiting and retaining officials. Yep. The recruiting part, the recruiting part team is going really well, but it's the retaining part. That's yeah. the challenge that we have. Studies show that we can often lose these new officials by year two or three. Why? A lot of it is the sportsmanship issue. The sportsmanship issues that you see on the sideline, on the court, and in the stands. A lot of younger officials or officials who are or just starting off on their journey are saying, you know what, I really don't need this. Uh, I can find other ways to have an avocation. I can find other hobbies to do than to go to these these high school assignments or college assignments and, and be on the short end of sportsmanship issues. So that's where the league is becoming really important. We have these mentorship programs, the mentor and mentee kinds of things where they will hook a young official up with a veteran like me and we give them the skills. We give them the toolbox to be able to handle uh, some of these sportsmanship issues. We okay. give them the tools to, so that this is an enjoyable experience for them. Sure. Tim, is there something the league can do to change the uh, sportsmanship issues, or does that have to come from the schools? Well, we can certainly do all we can. We, we work with uh, activities directors, with our AD advisory council, our coaches education piece. We have all sorts of education modules in place right now, and sportsmanship is a big deal uh, in these. And so we work with uh, our member schools to be able to teach them skills, to be able to uh, help them with strategies on how they can uh, promote a positive environment and l let's face it it starts it starts at the administrative level and then works its way down oftentimes in a basketball pregame we will share with coaches and players that tonight sportsmanship is number one and sportsmanship stop, starts at the top and that's with you as a head coach and it, as you as a captain so there are all sorts of things that we can do as a league. Uh, we've got promotional uh, public service announcements that we use and all sorts of things that we try to uh, uh, continually educate. It, it just seems like we talked about this last week that, you know, if, if you watch the benches, you watch the coaches, the fans kind of feed off of that. And so, I mean, as a referee, do you kind of try to have that, that relationship with the coaches where you're more of a talking tone with them and not the stomping around uh, type stuff? Uh, we do, and, and the, you'll, you'll see in the veteran, the, a lot of veteran officials, uh, they are what we call good, good game managers, and they know how to balance. We, we allow, uh, when you're a strong game manager as an official, you allow a coach to vent. They can, they can ask a question. A judgment call, you can certainly explain your judgment sure. call, but if they, but if, and you're giving them that opportunity to share information or their, their dis, uh, disagreement with you, but it's not going to be a debate. We're not yeah. going to have the Lincoln and Douglas debate back and forth. You know, I gave you the chance to vent and now we're going to move on. 
we, we, will, we will have situations where coaches will want to talk about a call that we made 10 minutes ago. And as a strong game manager, we will say, coach, we've moved on from that. Yep. And, and so I think they just want the ability to vent. But, but being a strong communicator, uh, being a strong in the public relations piece is all a part of having it be a good game management kind of, kind of thing. If, if, the, uh, if the actions of a coach or a fan or even a player are overshadowing the game and they're taking away what that game is, that's when you have to reach into the toolbox yeah. and, and use, use a warning or issue a technical, those kinds of things. But we want to do all we can to avoid using those tools. But you can also go back to the one simple rule of saying to a coach, not tonight. Yeah. We're not going to do that tonight. We're going to move on. Love it. Tim, um, do you worry that when this core group of veteran officials moves on that there won't be enough younger officials coming up to replace them? I mean, what's the medium age of the average basketball referee right now and I, I i really couldn't give you a median age but there are a lot of gray hairs out there and <laughs> myself included and i i am concerned i am concerned because there is a need in so many activities i'll use wrestling for example wrestling officials absolutely love taking a younger official under their wing and showing them the way and but the problem with wrestling and some of the other activities is there aren't as many officials yeah. as there were in the past to show them the way. And so that's why it's vitally important that, that we give the proper tools to these younger ones right now so that we can maintain that high level of success. Minnesota is known nationwide for the high quality of our officiating programs. And, and it's with our video instruction and our, you know, we're, we're very progressive in terms of our education of officials and a lot of state associations around the country are very envious of that and they they look to us for instruction and so the numbers moving forward do concern me but it is also comforting to know that there are veterans like myself that care that care enough to be able to give back and to be mentors to be observers because somebody at one point way back in our careers took us under their wing to yeah. show us the way now it's time for us to get back yeah okay i guess we can sum it up by saying thank a ref <laughs> and if we didn't have referees it would just be recess right absolutely and you know and I, I i was part of a thank a ref a couple of weeks ago at a game and they 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 presented us with a certificate and took our pictures and 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 it it, it was a nice awareness for the crowd who who they did they did give us a nice cheer and they didn't boo us or you know throw popcorn at us sure. or anything but it was it was nice to be recognized for me but it's also an awareness thing yeah. that the the uh, the fans in the stands say you know what you're right they they are they're they're out there doing a good job and uh, they're working hard on behalf of kids awesome well thanks tim for for joining us uh on the podcast uh giving your insight uh, on many things we appreciate it thank you thanks uh no no problem i always glad to visit with you fellas all right we'll see you down the road all right thank you take care yep bye well that was an interesting uh perspective from uh, Tim Layton, who works for the State High School League as a media, media liaison, former sports editor, preps uh, for the St. Paul Pioneer Press.
and basketball official. Kind of some things we were, uh, kind of some things that we didn't really think about. You know, needing a, needing a break. <laughs> and, and that's one thing we all should have thought about yeah. because we see the same thing. I mean, when you're gone three, four, sometimes more than that nights per week, it does take a toll when, you know, your son or your daughter sitting at home. Where are you going tonight, Dad? And why aren't you, you know, sticking around? Yeah. Me, I found, I found yeah. it interesting, the wrestling one, because that's kind of a specialty sport. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that. There's a lot of old guys that do that, but are you going to get the younger ones to come up? Because there's it's not it's a little different than football, basketball, hockey, refereeing. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of sports that kind of fall into that like cross. I mean, you only have a handful of people who really know what they're doing, and they're te- it seems that every night you watch, you have two guys that really know what they're doing, and then one person who's kind of learning the ropes, uh, swimming. It's uh, well, swim- you know, I mean, he mentioned gray hairs. I yeah. mean, look at the swimming officials. Some of those people have been around for 30, 40 yeah, years, I'm guessing. As long as I'm and, and alive. You, that's the one sport I don't see a whole lot of young officials. No. It's the one sport you don't get yelled at. Though. No. <laughs> yeah, the, correct. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we, in, I mean, just running some softball stuff, we, we run into many issues with just, you know, depth and, and umpiring. So, it's definitely something that, that's going to be an even bigger topic for reasons besides a wild game um, for years to come here because, you know, as I think Dan said, I mean, once some of these guys retire, Tom said, once some of these guys retire um, or gals retire, we're going to need a new crop to kind of take over and be the leaders. And so hopefully hopefully we uh, get that that group uh, that that steps up and you know maybe it's you know former athletes former coaches and stuff so um, yeah but uh, I mean the one sport you do see a lot of former athletes is gymnastics officials I mean they're they seem to be as young as any of the officials don't they have more trouble finding spotters and than they do officials <laughs> I believe so. Yes, <laughs> spot team spotters. I think, I think they're the ones that probably have a high demand. Well, there's, there's lower level coaches as well. I mean, who can get to a gym at four o'clock to coach, you know, basketball or something like that too? So there's a lot of, lot of issues that face as these screw, uh, schools grow and and everything. So something that we'll we'll keep talking about. But uh, thanks to Tim for for coming on the podcast and and giving us some insight. But couple other We can topics. segue right off yeah. officials and, and find out when the state high school is going to be uh, hiring replay officials because that seems to be the new trend. Replay <laughs> officials? Well, it sounds you like... Want, what, what do you, what, you want well, some I'm expanded just, you know, replay? Well, I'm just talking about NFL championship games. There's, uh, well, they've, they've, there's replay in uh, football, high school football championship mm-hmm. games now. And it's run, it run pretty smoothly. And it doesn't ever, take too doesn't, long. No. That's good. Because there's two angles to look at. That's probably instead <laughs> of 12, there's two angles, and uh, it's either either the right call or the wrong call. But, uh, yeah, you know, controversial weekend, which in my mind takes away from how good those two games were on Sunday. Like everyone is talking about how the Saints were robbed by the, the non-pass interference call. Everyone's talking about how the Chiefs should have gotten the ball. Everyone should get the ball in overtime. Those were two fantastic uh, games between probably the best four teams in, in football. The overtime ones, to me, is I don't think it has any weight because the Rams, 
the Saints got the ball first in overtime and have uh, the all-time leading passer in the NFL history. And uh, I think the Rams won, right? Didn't they get the ball back on interception? Interception, yeah. So, well, stop the, somebody. Yeah, the, the overtime was the, the Patriots and Chiefs game. But if you guys remember, overtime rules were changed after the Vikings-Saints game, in which back then, 2009, or I think it was 2010 uh, calendar year, uh, a field goal was all that was needed, and Saints got the ball. They went down 50 yards or 30 yards, I think, after a long return. Kicked field goal, uh, field goal, game's over. Nowadays, even in the regular season, you need a touchdown to win at the opening drive, and I think that's a, I think that's more likely to be the the, the final point in, in overtime rules. I think the field goal was needed to win that uh, NFC Championship with the Vikings at the end of regulation, but uh, Brett decided to throw across <laughs> his body in the middle of the field instead of running five yards to well, set up a game. Tahi, twelve men on the field. Tahi, twelve men on the field. So I think it's funny that this you know everybody's. Uh, Hammering the Saints, saying it's payback from the the two thousand whatever ten nine Vikings championship game when they got beat and because of uh, Bounty Gate. Is it everyone or is it just the state it's of Minnesota? Just, no, it's just, it's, <laughs> Nobody well, cares. Yeah, it's it's probably the state, state of Minnesota. Minnesota. I always find that information funny. Vikings uh, somehow they think the Vikings got robbed in that NFC championship game. Well, if you guys remember last year, everyone was like, okay play the Saints in the first game. We're going to beat them. Everyone thought the Falcons were going to beat uh, the Eagles. We got to get back for 98 season. And then, you know, and then it was going to, you know, they were on to the Super Bowl and re- redemption. It was going to be the redemption we're tour. We're always on and, redemption uh, tour. Well, that's Minnesota. I mean, we always... The you know, Vikings think, have think. no qualms about that championship game against the Saints. Peterson fumbled twice. Brett Favre threw a horrible interception. And did they have five turnovers? Yeah, something like that. And they always still, talk about Brett Favre got hit. Hey, if I'm if I'm the defensive coordinator, I, I know everybody talks about the protecting a quarterback, but don't tell me that when they're over there, they're saying hit the quarterback, hit the quarterback, hit the quarterback. That's the game. That's the game. If you yeah. get a couple 15-yard penalties, so be it. And that, that may have changed how you hit the quarterback, but back in that day, hit the quarterback. They hit him, and they hit him hard all game. Should we review penalties? I mean, when does it end, though? If that, if, if that you're, flag you're is thrown, ask, New Orleans is in the Super Bowl right now. But you're asking to review a non-penalty. I yeah, mean, correct. You know, that opens a whole nother can of worms. I believe Goff got face mask earlier in that when they in the way they had the ball first and goal in the one, and it ended up being a field goal. So, I mean, you can you can go pick apart the whole game all well, day long Well, the same with the Chiefs, that the uh, roughing the passer. Roughing the passer, you know. Guy was in the neutral zone. The game would have ended there. Oh, that one's bad. That can one. Just, can we just talk about one. how good Brady is? Well, and that I mean that's part, part of my point. At the beginning was, I mean that's the Brady storyline of what he's done this playoff season. Now I'll, I'll say he hasn't been sacked one time yet in the playoffs. So there wasn't one offensive holding call all <laughs> Sunday. Yeah, all Sunday, both yep, games. Yep. Really. Wow, that's imp- let him play, and it was still three and a half hour. Let, games. Well, apparently they did let him play. Then that's why there was no pass interference call. They were, I'd, I'd, I'd rather err on letting him play, than start calling a bunch of penalties because it's getting hard to sit through four hours worth of football. Yeah, and then I, I think, guess what? Uh, referees, are human, you know, they're going to make mistakes. I think you just got to live with it. Uh, you can't. And you said this. Can't like, you can't. You can't file lawsuits. <laughs> correct. I think you said this last week. 
there's other points in the game that could have changed that you could have done something. It's not on a referee. It's on, you know, if you are in that situation where you need the referee to make a, a pass interference call, that's that that's then you could have done something uh, before, you know, to change the outcome of the game. So it's unfortunate for the Saints, but at the same time, you got to tip your cap to the Rams, who won. Dante Fowler, who they traded for, makes a big play in overtime, forces that interception, and then your kicker kicks a 57 yarder yeah. to win it. Sometimes Which was good from 70. It was just wow. You know, did you guys see how many made field goals were this weekend? And go, we don't boy, have that. You wonder why the Vikings weren't in the playoffs. You wonder why Chicago Bears didn't make it uh, through the first round. I mean. Clutch, How important kickers. special teams are in, in the playoffs. Um, you got to have guys that can kick that ball through the, the uprights. Uh, so it will, maybe we'll talk a little bit, break down that big, uh, uh, I Super guess. Super Bowl game? Yeah, the Super Bowl game um, next week since we got a two weeks Pro Bowl this week. All right, let's move on. Uh, Hall of Fame uh, inductions this week for baseball. Mariano Four guys Rivera. get in. Any big surprises from you guys? Well, you got Holiday. You got Mike Mussina has been on the fence for years. Yeah. Um, and then Holiday and Edgar Rivera. Martinez. Edgar Martinez, and which I liked. Should have been in probably a couple years ago, but he played DH, and so that's been his holdup. The funny thing is about Messina is um, if you wanted if you had if you wanted a pitcher to pitch a clutch game in a big spot, would you? Would you pick uh, Mucina or would you pick uh, Schilling? Yeah, I mean, Schilling. Schilling's Schilling, got two rings. Yeah, he was probably maybe a little more dominant. Messina's got the Long 11 jersey. gold gloves. Or, I mean, it just felt like they just gave it to him every year because he'd won it the year before. But he, I, I just remember growing up in the 90s, Messina was one of those. like He destroyed the Twins, didn't he? Yeah, every time. I mean, Baltimore Orioles. You know, besides Cal Ripken, what was the storyline from the Baltimore Orioles in the '90s? You know, Mike Messina, and then he went to the Yankees. You know, he did things there too, and so uh, I think he's just one of those top of the rotation guys that, in his era, much like a Jack Morris was in the '80s, much like Burt Blylevin was in the '70s. You look at that; they were true aces. And Halliday is another guy, Long dominant time. guy. Uh, both uh, with Toronto, Philadelphia, Cy Young guy, you know, and I think uh, you did look at those. Did ever win 20 games? Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did with Baltimore. Yeah, he probably threw a lot I of games. I could have won 20 games with the Yankees uh, during that I'm time. I'm not sure he won many tw- had many 20-game seasons. I know he wasn't, you know, the 15-strikeout guy, no. um, but he, you know. So does um, – Four years from now, Joe Maurer get in first ballot. <laughs> Unanimous decision. He won't be first ballot. He's gonna have to. It'll take a couple years. It'll be like an Aggie Martinez, where you're sitting there going, "Well, he's a DH, so it's harder to vote for him right off the bat." I do think Joe Maurer, after enough people are convinced, will sneak in. How long was he the best catcher in baseball? Because that's what you're voting on. Is that yeah. long enough? Because he, as a first baseman, yeah, no. what he did as a catcher was pretty impressive. Three batting, didn't he win three batting titles three as a batting catcher? Titles, yeah. That one, one year MVP. where he won MVP. I mean, yeah, was he a dominant defensive catcher? I don't think he was ever a dominant no, defensive catcher. Good, good arm. I don't um, think there was a lot of people stealing on him. 
What do you have? One twenty homer season. Yeah. I, I, I never had a hundred RBI season. Although the the young kids today don't like RBIs and home runs, they like what? Well, war. What was his war? Yeah. What was his war? Um, I I, I think he'll get in yeah. eventually. But I have a problem. If he's in the Hall of Fame, I have a problem that Don Mattingly's not. <laughs> Donnie Mattingly, baseball. Donnie baseball. Donnie baseball's got the similar similar. If you look it up, look at his numbers compared to Puckett. Very similar. Both careers ended with injuries. Um, they're very similar. Donnie, Donnie didn't have a didn't play on good enough teams. Although when he the last when he retired the next year the Yankees won the World Series and then won three of the next four. So if he would have hung on with his bad back for a couple more years, he'd probably have a ring. Twenty more homers. Well, is Puckett in without Game Six? Yes. Puckett Puckett was a what lifetime three twenty hitter maybe. Got a batting title. Never won an MVP. He was pretty good in the postseason. I think he was the what is he the the MVP of the ALCS oh, yeah. in '87 and '91. Oh no, Morris was. Well, no, the World Series MVP Morris was in '91 and Viola was in '87. But the yeah. ALCS MVP okay. Puckett was in '87. I'm not sure who was in '91 for the Twins. I don't think it was Puckett. Toronto. No, wait, was it wasn't Puckett. No, Puckett might have been '91. I think Gaetti was the '87 ALCS. Okay. That sounds right. One of one, Puckett won one of those MVPs. I think it was '91 that he won, and '87 guy he was. I think was like a lot of the guys we're talking about. They all the guys that are in had defining moments in their career, or they did something that was not seen before. You but know, and isn't, isn't that going to hurt home runs in eight straight days? Isn't that, that going to hurt Mauer though? Look at. Look at his postseason. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. He's, yeah he's, you better he's, you better ignore what he did against the Yankees over his career in the postseason. Um, he's the golden boy here, but I, I don't know how he's how is he viewed nationally. Yeah, he probably even more likable than than yeah. he is here because many people were stung by the contract, were stung by the fact that they paid him catcher money, and he was he had some pretty lean years after the concussion issue, so. He won't be a first ballot guy. Mariano Rivera, the first ever. I mean, how incredible is that? That you think about all of the guys in baseball, all the history. No person. Hank Aaron wasn't a first round. Stand I mean, usual. Babe Ruth. <laughs> I mean, it's just Ted Williams, Ted Mickey Williams, Mann. I mean, Mickey these guys Mano, were Ted not Williams. voted in their first. Heck, that, you could say somebody I mean, like, you know, how could not, George Brett not be unanimous? I mean, they were they were voted in their first year, but. They didn't receive every vote. And who's the, I'm blanking now, who's the guy that missed it by one vote? Recently. Yeah. Was it Pedro Martinez? McGriff? I don't know. McGriff was close. I think it was about 10 years ago. I'm, I'm blanking on who, uh, who it was. Maybe one it was vote. Pedro. But one earlier, one vote away. Maybe it was the guy who voted and, for Posito Posanco. And it's been, it? was it Lavelli Neal? I think it was Lavelli Neal. <laughs> And he's gotten crap all these years for that one vote. Cause it's hard to imagine Mariano being. Uh, you, I mean, nobody else has been unanimous because I mean, you know what it is. Well, Tim Kirchin was on the radio yesterday, and he said there was a bigger separation at the closer position than any position in baseball. Yeah. And so you look at where Riviera was. I mean, who's who's even close to him? No, nobody. N- nobody in this era. I mean, but Lee, I mean, just Lee think Smith about some of the great players who won. Willie Mays, how he's not. Um, I mean, I'll just throw some recent guys. George Brett, are you kidding me? Tony Gwynn, these guys are three they, machines hitting. 
and I think the one thing that has been said over the years is there were some voters who said, I am not going to vote for this guy in his first uh, first ballot. I mean, what stupid logic is that? I mean, like, you can't vote for it. I mean, Cal Ripken Jr., How is he you're not going to you're not going to vote him every ballot. I mean, Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah. I mean, he was uh, come on. So uh, maybe we've weeded through. Maybe all those guys have died. Uh, and now we've gotten to the point now. Ty Cobb wasn't a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, uh, all unanimous, the votes. yeah. Unanimous. I mean, a lot of these guys were first ballots. They're not unanimous. They just didn't get every not, single person. Who are the guys that not voted for these guys? They well, they, they they tell you. I mean, they release it, and these people get, you know, hate mail because you're like, you kidding me? And they get to vote again, though. I don't know. It's... I, I, the old boys club. One more topic. I just ran across this stat, and it shocked me. How long has Andrew Wiggins played? Five years, I think. How many six ten years? assist games has he had, double-digit assist games in his five years has he had? Did he just have one or zero? Zero. Zero, okay. How many double-digit rebounds has he had in his career? Zero. Six. Okay, well, that's... It's, six, though. He's a six foot leaper, six foot six leaper. Yeah, he's he's six and a half. If you ever want to find out if he's worth the money, all you gotta do is look at those two stats: zero double digit assists, six double digit rebounds. Well, Glenn Taylor just had him come into his office and have a little conversation with him, and that Maybe was... he told him to get more assists and rebounds. <laughs> well, he hasn't listened, but he did have that one game, guys, a couple weeks ago. The and... first game of the Flip Saunders, yep. or no, the Suns zero. Ryan Saunders. Ryan yeah, Ryan Saunders. Saunders is here uh well well look at how many assists humphreys had as a gopher i think it was one one <laughs> yeah. his claim to fame is the uh, dayton kim kardashian yeah. probably married to her wasn't she aren't they married they, i don't think they were married producer chris humphreys and kim kardashian yeah they were married yes, they were married? They were married. yes it was yes on, i think they were on the, the show 72, 72 days oh my god rachel tells us I remember hearing that uh, Kenny Novak went to the wedding. Really? Yeah. Did he get his gift back when they got divorced? <laughs> what do you get? What do you get? Uh, Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphreys. What is the wedding gift? Kent Novak was probably not cash. Wedding. I mean, you know, just write a twenty-five dollar <laughs> check out. I mean, Novak was there probably looking for a guard or a forward. For the <laughs> and he found one, probably. <laughs> <laughs> and he got one. That's it for Sports for Dummies this week. I'm Dan Huss with Eric Krauser and Tom Chardon. Rachel Minsky is our producer. To read more about what was discussed on today's episode, visit swnewsmedia.com. Thanks for listening.